let me just start by saying hi to everyone and anyone who, who joins us today. What we're trying to do here is to open up, share and connect through stories and through experiences and through thoughts, mainly around um, subjects and topics that touch on our professional lives. And there are topics and thoughts and stories that we, we love sharing with each other anyway. And we thought since we, since we like chatting about those things and we find, we find them interesting, we find them stimulating, we find them challenging topics, why not leave our door open to other people to join? As you love saying. As I love saying. I'm never bored of that. <laughs> um, anything from your side? Anything from your little introduction to what we're doing and who um, we are and what we... More who we are, we come from quite similar backgrounds in some ways and uh, also different backgrounds. Uh, you used to be in a big uh, corporation like me and we have a lot of things in common like uh, we both started with law studies and ended up in marketing and then you continued going more in the uh, talent development, uh, could I say. Uh, and now you are in the startup tech world, which for you as well is a new adventure. And uh, it's really interesting for me to explore more about this world uh, whilst having those um, exchanges with you. Yes, totally. And I think from your, from, from your side, because I feel actually you presented my background uh, more than you, yeah, that you said about yours, to say actually that I always love also the insights that you bring from your professional experience, of course, because yes, you have been in big corporate, but you have had a lot of, um, a lot of kind of, although you, your career has been towards the same direction, you've changed a lot and you were never afraid of changing, changed countries, you changed um, ways of working, you've changed quite a lot of things in your work environment and your work experience. You also did an MBA, which for me is um, incredibly insightful to hear a lot of the things that you, that you heard there, a lot of the companies and organizations that you got in touch with during your time. So I think we, have, we bring a lot of common things, but also a lot of different things from our journeys. Yes, true. It's uh, now that you say it, um, I, I find myself very focused on marketing, uh, but I had been a little bit involved with uh, startups, whether it's uh, in uh, throughout my MBA experience by having a small internship, let's say, but, and also advising in uh, mentoring different projects so it's something so that's my very very short experience that i have but i wouldn't really uh, say that i have an insight uh, from the inside great 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 so with with this sh shall we jump on to today's topic and kind of introduce you to what we want to talk about today yes perfect Great. So you kind of, you, you gave me a, a brilliant kind of intro to this topic in the beginning when you talked about actually we, um, what we started, that we made a lot of mistakes, that we probably failed in some ways, depending on how we define failure, depending on how we define what success looks like. Uh, so we thought, what else to talk about other than something that we all have in common, because at some point in our lives, we may have encountered one or several of these 
And this is the world of the scary world of mistakes and the scary world of also failure and how this failure that comes out of mistakes may feel like. So what is, what is, really, what is really a mistake? How do you feel when you, okay. when you make a mistake? Uh, actually, you know what? I was thinking uh, yesterday uh, after um, you shared the topic, which I find it very interesting and relevant. I was thinking a good way to not define a mistake, but to give a good example of a mistake. Uh, we could use a wonderful example from the Greek mythology. And as you know, I come from an island called Ikaria in Greece. So what best example than the, the notorious myth of Icarus? Love it. And I think also what we see, what we learn from that uh, myth, because I think the, the whole point of uh, mythology and sharing those myth stories was to really learn from them. And uh, it's really the fact that Icarus made a mistake. He was aware that he should not go close to the sun. He was very closely instructed, very carefully instructed. Uh, he knew uh, the about the fact that um, if he does go, if he goes close to the sun, um, he will, um, the wax will burn. And he did it. And the result was that unfortunately he died. So we have the, the fall, the fall mm. and failure, mm. you may. And um, it comes down to a mistake, right? So <laughs> it's, um, and for me, I think uh, it's very interesting to talk about failure and mistake. And I think we can end up talking about, for hours about what failure is, especially knowing us, uh, how much we love enjoying these discussions. But as you very rightly talked about at the beginning, you talk about mistakes here. And I think it defines it a little bit better to something that is undoubtedly a mistake, something that um, we should have done A and we did B, or something mm. that you know, we, we failed to, to deliver, we, or we failed to deliver on time. Uh, I, this is a kind of mistake that um, I think we should talk about. And um, yeah. usually how it makes you feel, to answer your question, just just before, just before you were, or the, how it makes you feel, only because I loved, I love the story that you just actually shared, and I wasn't expecting it, which was a brilliant surprise. Just to say that uh, I think it encapsulates perfectly, though, a lot of the elements that making a mistake includes or covers. So it has a bad result. He drowned, right? He died. Um, it w went against the principles that his father gave him, <laughs> right? And it, it, brief, it had you say in our the brief exactly against the brief, against the brief that he got from his father, and it had a behavior which, regardless of how you want to describe it, whether you want to say, or oh, maybe he was overconfident, or maybe he was a hybris, if, if I'm pronouncing this word correctly, it was a behavior that was against the principles. So that's interesting because just in this short story, I think you gave there the definition of what we, what we meant by mistake. But as you say, today we will focus on those that have bad results and are factually mistakes. They're factually not delivering what the result should have been. I'm sorry, I'm going to derail here and I really... <laughs> 
this is not starting well. <laughs> I cannot stop myself by saying that uh, maybe the result was not bad. The result uh, was that from his ashes, the island of Icaria was born. So <laughs> there we go. Of course, <laughs> on the back. But this is just a shameless promotion of my island. Uh, I <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> but going back to what you were saying, sorry, I interrupted you. You're saying, so how does it feel when this happens? I, I think when you make a mistake, uh, how it feels, it really depends on your personality, right? It mm. depends on uh, how you accept it, how you take a mistake. Um, it uh, can also depend also on the um, other things uh, around how others will view it, but um, it can make you think, uh, make you feel like stupid, right? Because um, a mistake uh, could actually make you feel uncomfortable in the reasons that led you to do this mistake. Mm -hmm. Yes, and it, it can it can make you feel that you're doubting yourself. It can make you feel that you are, um, you lose your self-confidence. Mm -hmm. It can make you feel, and I'm talking from my experience, but also from what I'm discussing with um, with friends, and make you feel that you question your worth, your self-worth. So it can go in, I would say, multiple levels, right? Mm -hmm. You can either either on surface level or it can go really, really deep. And of course, it depends on the mistake and it depends on how big it is and what the impact of this mistake is, because not all mistakes are the same. Um, but I think what we will do today is try to simplify a bit these parameters, because what is interesting is to talk about how you as an individual react to this mistake and how the environment around you help you or inspire you to react to this mistake and how ultimately you can use it to progress, to evolve, to learn, right? Yes, as you talk, you Please. make me remember of an example of um, an exercise that uh, we had done once uh, with a group where they asked us to play Simon Says. Uh -huh. And uh, it's a children's game, right? And as yeah. adults, we ended up all playing Simon Says and um, we ended up doing mistakes. Uh, and so, sorry, explain to us a bit what Simon says. So you say Simon says and you do what Simon says, right? So yes. Simon okay. says, sit on the chair. Simon says, and everyone has to do it. And it's the simplest exercise that you could do because you, someone tells you something and you just have to follow the brief. You just have to right. do it. Uh, and, and as you're within a group, you realize that some people just, uh, for some reason, they don't do it. They don't end up doing it as fast or they... <laughs> They miss it and they do something else but everyone laughs and everyone finds it very funny and uh, what uh, what the moderator told us it was uh, see how you're laughing at a mistake maybe you shouldn't take the mistakes that you do at work so seriously and uh, that for me stayed with me I found it very interesting that is that is brilliant because again it touches on a lot of things that we will touch on today on how you react with your mistake, but also what is the environment around you? Because I guess knowing that you're playing, that you're in the game, sets in a way the context of not taking things too seriously. But then even if you have this context, you could argue that depending on how people around you react could make 
could make you actually feel differently because even in games, people are competitive. So maybe even in a Simon Says actually context, someone can still make you feel stupid, although you, although it's actually a game, although it's for fun. Yeah. So it's really, it's really interesting actually to talk a bit about the environment, isn't it? And yeah, and I also want to share something else because we touched upon it. You said a mistake can be small or big. And mm -hmm. I think it's uh, important to bear this into account. Yeah. It's a completely different approach when you play a game and a different approach when you're a surgeon, for instance, and you make totally. a mistake that could uh, cost someone's life. So there is, uh, the context plays a great role. Uh, I think what we want to talk about is uh, in an uh, office environment, to bring mm -hmm. it back to our discussion, is how do people uh, experience a, a, a mistake? Mm -hmm feel about it, what do they do about it, and also what's the context, uh, what's the environment and how acceptable that is, right? Correct. Although even actually as a surgeon, because naturally you're a human, you will make mistakes, right? It is about, and I'm not taking it to the to that world because it's out of our out of my league and out of my comfort zone. Definitely not. But the one point I want to make is that the one thing that we all have in common, regardless of how big the impact of this mistake is, is that whenever we make an impact, um, excuse me, a mistake, we have to be resilient enough to come back from it whatever this mistake in the end is. So there is another element of being resilient and bouncing back from this mistake. And in the end, using that mistake to go forward, right? And to move on to this area of learning and this area of developing. A hundred percent. And I think the most important thing that you said is learning. Um, what can you learn from that mistake, whether it's the surgeon, or um, whether it's a series of small mistakes that happen in the background that mm. led to um, bad uh, outcome. So it because um, I think uh, I read somewhere that in a hospital they may mm. study that uh, the administrative issues sometimes that haven't been tackled could also lead to big uh, mistakes. Um, you know, by surgeons in the end. So for instance, yes. that can yes. be a great learning in order to go and tackle and understand and analyze and change things if needed. Yes, yes. So let's talk a bit about exactly what you said actually, about this analyzing and reacting. Let's talk about this reaction. The factors that can contribute to a mistake it's a different, it's probably a different conversation, right? And you're right, it's a perfect storm as well of things, administrative and maybe any technical issue or whatever this, this is. But as you said before, focusing on a factual mistake and what is the role of um, the organization within which you, you, you live, you, you work, you make those mistakes? What is the role that it plays? And I remember you were saying you were saying something about the different kind of types of organizations that exist around that. Did you want to so think, talk us through, a bit, through this a bit? Yeah, so I think um, there is uh, traditionally we find um, organizations that had uh, this alpha culture. This um, we usually call it alpha male culture because in reality many traditional uh, industries like uh, engineering, banking, finance, uh, law, uh, they, were, they were mainly dominated by men. 
So the idea was that in those uh, cultures, what we found a lot uh, was the, that there wasn't really a lot of room for a mistake. That means that, uh, the, and, and I think the reason is also that um, they were striving for excellence. They wanted to make sure that if you have your very, very high standards and then you don't really allow uh, room for a mistake, you're more likely to have excellence, great results, and push for um, uh, good quality work, let's say. Uh, that has created also this uh, need for proving, uh, proving themselves, not uh, really allowing any room for error, uh, that creates a really high standard, those high standards create also high pressure. And high pressure can also mean a lot of times that you're not allowed to do a mistake and therefore you're not allowed to say that you did a mistake. Because I think by nature, humans do mistakes and I don't think anyone can disagree with that. And that can create a culture of a blame game. That can also create a culture of uh, with severe competition of um, dysfunctional teams. And I think uh, I, I start with this alpha culture because I think, uh, as I said, uh, in, as I mentioned, I think we call it alpha male culture because it was predominantly male, but also women that were masculine, yeah, masculine, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, male dominated but also women who went on and uh, joined these companies or these industries uh, had this element of proving themselves, being correct, being strict with themselves, being harsh with themselves, and maybe sometimes even more because, you know, if you stand out, uh, then your mistakes will stand out as well. Yes, very true. So I think uh, um, that's why I put it under the alpha culture. And so, uh, sorry, so this culture is a culture where, from what I understand what you're saying, defines success in a very, defines excellence in a, in a way that says there is no room for mistake, no room for error. That's what success looks like, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is what excellence is. Okay, really interesting. This is, I think, uh, what excellence is, and I think this is also what... Um, uh, they 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 make them strive for high standards, or at least that's I, I believe that's what um, makes it so strict to have an allowing mistakes. That you feel that if you do start allowing mistakes, then um, you know it will be uh, things can be allowed to happen that they shouldn't. Be, like if anything goes, you know. Yeah. 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 So this is the alpha culture. Yes. Um, and I find it very interesting how this is called an alpha culture because I'm, I've noticed, and I remember actually on the Time magazine, uh, a cover with Mark Zuckerberg saying, the rise of the beta male. And it had uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, which, you know, it's more, it's not the alpha male type. It's more the introvert, quiet, um geeky kind of guy and i found it so relevant the the title the beta because beta version in uh, I, in, in tech is really something that you test you t you put out in the market before it's even final before it's perfect it's something that you you're okay to give a bad version that it's not final yet so that people can give their feedback 
people can test it and then work it out and from that try to create something better. So I found it very interesting. Uh, so and I think we have this better culture as well. I love that. Yes. And I think uh, and also I find that a lot of times we talk about how startup the startup world has uh, been a bit influenced in uh, big corporations. Mm. Um, we find we talked about it when we talked about agility remote working we talked about it with um uh fun at work uh, yeah. uh other personalities how they work together and i think again coming back to that topic i think the influence is very big where we are more allowing failure and we hear a lot from the startup culture fail fast fail cheap allowing allow failure and and the main reason, really, I think it's innovation. That yes. without failure, you it's very hard to have innovation. What do you think? And, and this is so it's so interesting the way the way you actually position that because it's almost actually a just a just that position. I why can't why do I even use the word I cannot even pronounce? But um it's almost actually you said excellence and you almost actually the opposite of that in this two kind of worlds that you said that you are um, demonstrating there is excellent versus innovation in a way and what what you made me think actually when you were talking about that uh, is that the startup world is even by definition bringing launching something that is not excellent and launching something that is not perfect mm -hmm. is by definition completely opposite to what this alpha culture or this more traditional, however we want to call it, more traditional culture of excellence really suggests. So I find it incredibly interesting, um, and I totally agree with everything you say, that on one hand we have this excellence where your success is counted on the lack of mistakes, and then we have this other world where your success is counted, or can be counted, because of course there are different ways actually to count success, right, and to define success uh, on how much you innovate and as you say innovation doesn't happen just first time it's very rare that you are first time mm -hmm. successful or first time perfect it happens through trying and failing and trying again so it's it's really interesting that you're suggesting those two cultures so let's and sorry and to that yeah. uh, there is a famous quote from uh, thomas edison that uh, he said, um, I've got uh, a lot of results and I know several thousand things that don't work. Uh, that, <laughs> you know, today, yes, I don't, they don't always uh, work very well and you put a lot of time and energy and resources, of course, in trying out things that don't end up working. Uh, but the fact that you did put all this energy and you did put all this time and resources on it helps you in the end find uh, a result that works that works exactly so it's really interesting though because in this new era because you said this started from startups but now as um as a culture if you want as a culture, it starts yeah. as a culture it starts trickling down to even more established companies right to more traditional companies so now we see more and more companies talking about let's try let's let's and um, let's fail fast let's uh, launch a prototype design thinking is a thing that a lot of companies actually work and design thinking is very much based on this 
principle of let's put something out there quickly, the minimum viable product or the minimum viable idea, and let's test it, bringing the user at the, at the heart of it. So a lot of traditional companies and a lot of traditional industry, industries, excuse me, pick up this ways of thinking. But this demands a completely different set of behaviors to the ones that you described before. It depends the behaviors of, we, we mentioned resilience, but also demands the behavior of knowing how you react, react positively and constructively to your mistake. And also the other people around you do the same. So in a way, we need different different ways of enabling mistakes to happen. We, as managers and leaders, we need different ways of teaching and inspiring the people actually to learn from their mistakes. And then as individuals, we need to train ourselves into be resilient, get over the mistake quickly enough to be able then to take the learnings out of it. Yes. So shall we? And also yeah, the, to, to the culture and how you accept the mistakes. And something that uh, it was, uh, um, has been identified in some companies is the blame game. Mm. And I think uh, this is uh, very important to, to <laughs> talk about whether there is the blame game and how this can have a big effect to the individuals, to people you know, accepting the mistakes uh, or, or uh, sharing them, owning yeah. them if you want. And there was this um, Harvard study by uh, Professor Edmondson on uh, saying how from a very young age as kids we learn that uh, the moment we do a mistake we will be yelled at or punished and how we try to avoid it and uh, sometimes we also find that kids might lie like did you eat the cookie no it wasn't me it was the, the, the cookie monster uh, but in uh, and it's something that uh, as we grow older if we feel that we will be punished or there will be repercussions, we might try to you know, dodge the bullet by either lying or blaming someone else or trying to find ways where we're not, we believe that we're not uh, liable for this mistake. And rather than focusing on other things as you talked about, learning, analyze, understanding, trying to move on, we focus on uh, just blaming. <laughs> Hiding. On hiding, really, right? Or and not, not letting this actually, yeah, go out there. And I think, as you say, the blame, the blame game essentially is definitely a big obstacle in any mistakes happening, but also a big obstacle. Well, not any mistakes actually, because it doesn't mean that in a blame game culture mistakes don't happen, but you, you just hide them, right? Um, but also just to bring something else in the mix, that in a, in, a, um, in a blame culture, you also don't feel encouraged to even come forward with any ideas because you, you, you don't want to even actually imagine that this idea might not be good and you might be blamed for a bad idea. So not only you're hiding your mistake, this is one part really of this, but on the other hand, you don't even want to come up with anything with any creation, with nothing new to suggest. And I find this also an issue in, in 
blame cultures, but also in cultures where they don't necessarily recognize or uh, give credits for a good idea. It has happened to me before, for example, when I have been in teams that there, there are ideas and then you, you, don't, you don't get, because in the world of ideas, and I'm sure some of my creative friends would actually absolutely testify to this, it's very difficult to even find the source of this idea. But when there is no recognition for an, a good idea, you just stop creating ideas, just stop sharing them. So I think this blame culture, essentially what I'm trying to say, has the, has the downside of you end up actually hiding your mistakes, so there's no learning at all. Uh, but also you end up actually not wanting to create anything new because yeah. with anything new, there is the, the risk of it not being great. I think uh, it's the fear culture within fear, it. Fear, that's it. Blame culture and the that's it. not stepping up and sharing ideas <laughs> culture. Yes. And I, and I, yes. I could, yeah, see what you mean, they, they go together. Yes, no, you're, yes, 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 yes. But then, but then there is this other culture that is a culture that invites you to try. Mm -hmm. But of course, it, it could be that one of the obstacles that you face is your own self because you feel actually uncomfortable testing your limits or going out of your comfort zone constantly. But I remember you had a very nice example of the importance of going out of your comfort zone. Do you want to share that with us? Yes, I, I think a lot of times, as you said, we don't want to fail because we're afraid of the environment and the, and the consequences, mainly. What does that mean? Uh, and also sometimes because we are very strict with ourselves. And a an very good example for that is at the Harvard MBA. When uh, Harvard started the MBAs, uh, there's this anecdote that they imposed no grading to be shared with the employees, which meant that the moment you would be granted- Not employees, you mean the students? With the employers, yes, sorry. Ah, ah with employers of the students. Yes. Ah, got it. Mm -hmm. so the moment you would graduate, even employer would go back to Harvard and say, could I have the grades of this student, please? Uh, Harvard would uh, ignore uh, the request, would actually say that uh, they're confidential and they cannot share. I know that a lot of MBAs today do that, and apparently it stems from that. And the reason is, uh, and what I find very exciting is that uh, a lot of A students, alpha students, would go to Harvard to do their MBA, who were used to being the top of their class, the top of their undergrad studies, uh, probably in very ambitious uh, work environments, and after two years of uh, working, going back to studies, uh, it is very likely that they would take classes in which they were already strong. So let's say if they would come from an analytical background, they wouldn't take the soft skills uh, kind of classes, uh, or if they would come from um, more, uh, I don't know, a different background, they wouldn't uh, take a lot of analytical classes because they would have to be afraid that they wouldn't get an A. They, they wouldn't get the best uh, grade and therefore they wouldn't have a good grade in order to continue with their employment. 
and Harvard, in order to make sure that they're not penalized, that they won't lose any chances or any opportunities in the working environment after their MBA, they said they put this rule in order to encourage them and to say it's okay to fail. It's okay to take a class that you're not good at. It's okay to try something new. And I think that's brilliant. It alleviated this fear and also it gave them the opportunity to try and fail in something that they were not that good at and uh, try something different because I, in my opinion as you said before I, I loved my year at the MBA and what I loved about it was really the experimenting part. Yes well, and possibly even not even recording it as a failure to be honest because when you don't have a score to kind of haunt you and say you are a failure. <laughs> you don't even actually record it as a failure no, sometimes, there right? There are scores. There, there are. Oh, okay, okay. And there are exams, but ah, okay. no one will know about it. Uh, Got it. <laughs> so it's secret. Everything's a secret. So then it has to do with your personal ability to accept a failure if you want. Yes, that. you're right. And this is where a lot of these people were not comfortable with with such a failure um, but by knowing that there will be no consequences no one will judge them it, it won't mean that they're not as clever as they had always been uh, it made them uh, try something different and made them actually experiment and do something that probably had never done before that's fascinating that's fascinating and that's a, it's a that's a great example of how the system around you can really um, it can really encourage the right behaviors and can really inspire the right actions, right? Mm -hmm. When I say right, I mean right for the program in your case or right for the business. So it, it reminds me a bit of like this book that's called Happiness by Design on how you design really the environment around you in order to keep nudging you towards being happy, for example. In that case, is towards nudging you towards being more innovative or towards actually trying new things. So I think we... It's, it's sorry you're, you're about to say something gone no i wanted to say and also it's um the sometimes because we talked about it a few times we said that how we learn about from failure and i think it's key to talk about that and why it's so important sometimes to fail or why it's okay to fail why do we want to have a culture where failure is acceptable and how and how this failure can actually end up creating innovation is because sometimes when we succeed or when we do things well, it doesn't really, we don't really stop to think why. Whilst uh, a failure, it's something that sometimes will be such a big shock to us that um, we, we will remember it more. We will stop and say, okay, what happened here? why did this happen and you will actually go also to find the root cause of that you will analyze you'll never go and say oh my god like i succeeded let's go back and see what were the elements that led to this success yes. it's always very hard to identify because it can be so many different elements that you don't know what went wrong whilst the moment that you fail or you do a mistake it's easier to go back and say okay i did that and that i shouldn't do again or oh, I, I got confused because of so and so and usually this is a moment where that shocks us a little bit more and um and we learn and uh, for me it's a beautiful quote here that i love that um we don't know if it's for benjamin franklin or confucius or who said it uh, it's one of those vague quotes but i think that the meaning is very 
important um, of how uh, we learn from things that uh, shock us a little bit, whether we do and we experience. So it says, tell me and I forget, teach me and I may remember, involve me and I'll learn. And I find it so fascinating because I think usually it's through failures that we learn because our involvement is bigger than in other circumstances. That's, that's beautiful and you're so right. And I think it, even as children is when through something you experience that it has hurt you, that it has, you, has, you have felt it, that you, that you remember it, right? And you learn, that's, that's, a, beautiful, that's a beautiful saying. That's really, that's really good. And um, you said something there and now you said the saying and yeah, and all I can think of is this saying, but you said something earlier that I really loved. Um, what were you, 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 you just said about just before the saying of Confucius? How uh, we learn uh, from our mistakes because they shock us to our core whilst when we do successful. Oh yes, uh, I wanted actually to say, bravo, thank you. I wanted actually to say that it's not random actually that all the debriefs that we're doing are debriefs of something hasn't gone well. I remember when I was in the agencies and I was doing marketing the agencies, the only time that we had a debrief was before because we had lost a pitch or because something went wrong or there's a debrief after bad or negative feedback from a client. I cannot remember, or at least even if it had happened, it might have happened like once or twice, to come together as a team and talk about brilliant feedback from the client. Let's, let's identify what we did to get this brilliant feedback. It, it was usually because of... Popping a champagne when you do well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you forget, and then you forget everything. Everything is rosy. And great. So we talked about the system. We talked about you as an individual um, on how you can try and use this experience, as you just said, um, to really move you forward. I think that there is a, a very... And in this, um, yeah. as an individual, you talked about it, you mentioned the word, the word resilience. Yes. And I think we, it's important to touch a bit more upon this word because I think it's very, uh, it's key. And I think, uh, as you said before, that um, you mentioned it when we we're talking about the surgeon that you know, could end up killing someone. It could be a mistake that won't kill someone, uh, but it would be a mistake that maybe someone will yell at you, or maybe you feel that your promotion will be jeopardized, or maybe you feel that you um, uh, feel jeopardized in terms of uh, your abilities or you have self-doubt, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Resilience is key and developing this uh, resilience. Yes, yes, it is. It is. Uh, absolutely, and people actually can build the resilience. It doesn't mean that you either have it or you don't. You can build and you can train your resilience. But it brings us back to the point that in order to train your resilience, though, you need to be in an environment that allows you to train your resilience. Yeah. Because so people, they go together, don't they? Exactly. Because how can you, how can you build resilience if all you're getting is, um, is a hard it's a, it's a hard feedback or a hard stop or a, a punishment. You, you cannot bounce back, can you? It's just something that suppresses you. But before I, move on to the, before I move on to the point of actually others, because we talked about the environment and the individual, tell me, tell me please about your, your perception of resilience and the, the importance that you think resilience plays in this whole, 
this whole context? No, I think uh, that it's important to accept a mistake. And uh, a lot of times we, you know, some people can be a bit stricter with themselves than others. And uh, when we are, we feel we disappointed ourselves or we feel that uh, we didn't deliver to, the, to our expectations or we did a mistake that, you know, could have been avoided, but unfortunately happened, is how you can quickly uh, well, forgive yourself, uh, you can quickly get over it and um, move on. Yeah, and move on means uh, find this happen, learn from it, understand why it happened, understand how this cannot uh, happen again in the future, but then move on. And um, what happened, happened, you cannot change it, but what you can do is just uh, learn from it and try to avoid it in the future. And I think the resilience here is uh, how quickly you bounce back, how quickly you get, get over it, basically. Yes, yes. And just as a, as a piece of a kind of, um, well, advice, not advice per se, but more from my experience, what I, fail, what I feel helped my resilience, and it took me some time actually to realize that, is uh, by sharing and talking to people, because you feel you will build your resilience yourself, and you feel that just by staying with yourself and thinking about your mistake, you will get over it. But this, at least for me, it ends up actually bringing me into a spiral, essentially, that I just think about the mistake more and more, and it ends up being very, very too big, probably, to even, um, to even think about it. Whereas when I, whenever I've shared it um, with my friends, with whoever I feel comfortable, right? I don't mean with a boss or with a manager, with a leader. Um, it has helped me deconstruct it and has helped me it has helped me get, detach myself essentially and get the distance that you're talking about. Take this step back and see it in, in its reality, in its truth. No, it's great to have um, like a safety network and then mm. support you. I think um, a lot of times uh, people use also coaches in the business world that sometimes can uh, help them through a difficult situation. This could be one. But what I love about the word coach is that it comes from sports. And I think mm -hmm. we learn a lot from sports when it comes to things like resilience in particular. And um, I was recently watching on, uh, the, now they do a lot of uh, Instagram lives with uh, tennis players. I think they have a lot of time in their hands. And, uh, and it's really interesting because they interview each other and you hear a lot of anecdotes. And um, they started, um, uh, I think it was Dokovic and um, uh, Federer, I think, and they were interviewing each other and asking about who do you think is be the best in that? And they started going through different categories. And one of them was, um, state of mind um, or resilience or strength or something like that and uh, it was interesting how Nadal they both went Nadal clearly uh, absolutely really? from a very young age he was the one that had it and especially young people young tennis players when they it's the hardest one to, to gain you gain with maturity and I find and I think it's so true because this is what really makes a professional after a while it's uh, it's a training, of course. It's yes. uh, a lot of uh, time that they spend uh, with uh, their physical um, 
improvement, but the state of mind and during the pressure that they get, uh, imagine in those tournaments, in losing and then, you know, you lost, you know, come back, uh, yes. go up and continue and don't stop and keep being hungry and don't punish yourself too much. Uh, I think it's a big learning from sports. That's, uh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And one actually that we, yeah, that probably because we've all been spectators, we understand how, or we can imagine how they feel, but we don't understand necessarily because we, not all of us have been, have been there. Definitely, I haven't. Uh, but you mentioned, but you mentioned the presence of another person who has been a catalyst for this resilience, right? To build this resilience and to bounce back. And in that case was a coach in, yeah, the, in okay. an organizational and uh, because uh, uh, that's why I use a sports example because they have a coach. Yes, they have a coach. Become better, and I think similarly in organizations, it's great that we allow them to learn more. Uh, exactly. We need help and guidance. So let's talk a bit about what the, the what a great coach. Well, we're talking about a sport analogy, but in a way, your manager, or your leader, is a coach in a way, right? And great leaders um, are coaching you through your career and are coaching you through your, um, um, your professional life. So what, what makes then a great reaction from a manager perspective uh, when it comes to a mistake? Shall we explore this a bit? Mm -hmm. So yes, interesting because we talked about ourselves and ourselves uh, within uh, a group, within a team, within a culture. It's interesting to see also uh, a leader or a manager how to handle this. And I think I'll go back to what we already mentioned, already discussed about, which is uh, the, the culture that you create, right? The blame game. I'll bring back the blame game is that it can stop from the top. Yeah. So I think it's the responsibility of a manager to make sure that the, he or she creates a safe environment within a team. Exactly, exactly. Because it starts from the team. So in a way, culture is the environment within which the team operates, but also culture is what the team produces. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's, it's a dual, Thing. It's not that we sit here and we say, oh, the culture is all blaming, we hate it, we can do something to change that. So a good, so a good manager, a good leader, or let's not call them good necessarily. Go I'm going to stop you there because I find it very interesting what you said. And it's uh, just a position from what um, we said before that if you are in the right mentality and wanting to share your mistakes, but the culture is a, a negative one where you're most likely to be punished or lose opportunities because of that and people blaming you for it, uh, it might be a little bit difficult. So I think said now, it applies from the moment where you can have an influence to the culture. So you can have a role, like a managerial role, where you can actually have um, that influence. Because I think it's difficult to have one person. Uh, in Greeks, we say... <laughs> uh, I thought about the same expression. I don't even know. I don't even... Yeah, I won't even go there. What word does not create the spring? Doesn't so, bring it, yeah, doesn't bring it. Yeah. The spring uh, season. And you need more than just one bird. And similarly, 
uh, in, I think a manager has a bit more weight in creating uh, culture yes. in a team. Yes. You definitely need someone who will have impact and someone whose behavior will, will, will give permission to other people. So it's very, that's why, that's why I, personally I'm so passionate about the, roles, the role of managers and of leaders because they're people like everyone else, but their position is a position of role modeling, a position of example, a position of giving permission, allowing people to behave in a specific way. So what would, a, what would a great manager, great leader, or not, let's not even call them great manager or great leader, what would be a great reaction to a, to a mistake? A great reaction to a mistake? Um, <laughs> to, as a, to, okay, first of all, there's two kinds of mistakes within a team when you're a manager. It's a mistake that you did yourself. And it's a mistake in the team that did. Yes. And uh, in both cases, I think it's very important to have the ownership of the mistake. Yes. Yes. So to answer in one word, I would say ownership. Uh, and to be able to... And, and I think the ownership is the word which is probably the opposite of uh, the blame game culture. Yes. Right? Yes. Because before you start and you say, yes, sorry, it's me. And uh, this is something that I love. Um, it's from uh, uh, the music uh, world. Uh, when they play in a concert and they start, especially at the beginning when they're rehearsing, they have this thing, the moment they make a mistake, to put their hand up. And, uh, oh, okay, I didn't know that. The, so they actually notifying everyone that it's me. I know I did a mistake. I am aware. And it's actually beautiful because uh, no one has to blame them and say, oh, we, we didn't sound well because it was that person. So they own their mistake from the very beginning and uh, they know that they have to work on it uh, later on, you know. So it's... You're full of examples today. You're full of analogies, examples, stories. I mean, honestly, I don't know where all these have come from. Amazing. That's beautiful. That, that's, that's brilliant. You remind me all that, and you remind me all these things. Muse. You're muse. But I think what you said there actually is so, it's, it's, it's brilliant. You said about ownership, but also within your example, there was something to be said about timely ownership. So that person raised their hand and said, whoops, 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 guys, before we go too far, before, before I try to hide it, just to say out in the open, it was me. True. So there is something in timing as well, right? Because it's completely different to own a mistake when in the end everyone knows or everyone has seen it or everyone is even tired of trying to fix it versus earlier on. Yeah. True, true. I think uh, you were right. Timing is uh, key. So we talked about ownership, we talked about um, timing. Yeah, go on, go on. I was about actually to add more things to that. Yeah. I want to hear from you as well. And what, what you, else? What, yeah. yeah, 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 no, I think, it, I think the, 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 list, um, the, the list is not exhausted. So ownership, but it's important actually that together with this ownership comes also the, the understanding the why, because ownership could come actually in two different packages uh, it's almost like an a parent can own a children a child's mistake by saying oh sorry it was my it was my kid sorry please ex excuse my kid whereas what i think it's really important is to kind of 
encourage and empower the person that made the mistake to really tell you the why. It's not about blind ownership of any type of mistake. It's about owning it, but at the same time encouraging to understand the why did why did it happen. So it's there. It's what they. And being inspired by you and your analogies and your examples, it's what they do in human factors, right? Where they, they try to identify all the different elements and all the different components of the whole story in order to identify different roots. They always say this whole kind of idea and concept of perfect storm, it's never just one thing. It's a lot of different things. It's a domino, essentially, that has happened in order for the mistake to happen. So I think it's very important that you, that you own it, but also you, you go deep and you try to identify, was it because someone was tired and then this other person um, had probably, didn't check twice, and then the third person that came um, didn't ask the right question. So try and identify all the different steps that might have contributed to this mistake to happen. Mm-hmm. So I think there is this, this is another element I would actually add to our list. Yeah, I like the example of uh, being tired. You know, it's uh, it's true. Sometimes we forget because yes, we are humans and uh, we're not machines. And sometimes uh, it could be some uh, human errors could happen because uh, people are tired. Um, <laughs> this could be uh, reason. most yeah. Most of my mistakes have definitely happened definitely happened actually because I'm tired. I'm not only talking about factual mistakes, but even actually uh, probably behaviors that I wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily, they wouldn't be the same if I had um, I had a good night's sleep. I, I wouldn't have reacted the same way. So yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot um, of mistakes actually could really probably be attributed to being tired. But yeah, identifying the reasons is another thing. Anything else in your, um, in the list of, great reactions from managers? I think it's a combination of trying to uh, help uh, ensure that the quality of work is good. As we said in the beginning, uh, you want to ensure that uh, people strive to create uh, good materials, quality materials, whether you represent a client, uh, as you have done in the past, or it's an internally for a big manager meeting or for um, an, uh, an analysis that you want to do, right? You want to try to do the best you can. So I, I think it's very important to start from that because when we say mistakes are okay, we're not saying that every time you expect that there will be mistakes and you have to check if there are mistakes or not, right? You expect that people try to do their best and try to perform the the best quality they can. However, if there is a mistake, if um, you find a mistake, uh, unfortunately, um, is how you handle it, right? And do you, I think it's important to understand, first of all, is to acknowledge it, first of all, uh, then uh, to whoever did it to have ownership and if it's something that has been uh, represented as a team to an external factor, the manager to own it as well. But then to understand, as you said, to go to the root, to understand why it happened, not just to understand why it happened in order to understand who did the mistake. Because I find sometimes I, I have seen managers trying to do that. They want to see who did the mistake. 
but and why did the mistake happen not in order to find a solution for the future in order to have learnings but just to to, to, to have more of the blame game so i think it's uh, very important when we talk about who and why is that uh, the reason behind it is in order to learn from it and to avoid it in the future yes. and and then the, the learning part i think uh, is uh, key because if you use that opportunity to learn and see what went wrong and how you can um, avoid such a situation in the future is great i i'll talk for myself and i will say that i have learned a lot from my mistakes I think uh, a lot of things were, uh, it, it has been easier for me to change uh, a behavior, as you said before, or change a, a way that I was um, doing an exercise, for instance, uh, has been due to a mistake. And uh, it might be the fact that uh, it's more memorable, mm -hmm. uh, but it's also, I find it very interesting because um, it's, uh, I find that it can have a big shift in your behavior uh, bigger yes. than um, if someone would have told you this is how you should do things or doing a training uh, because i think that what we say sometimes like let them do their own mistakes so that they can learn from them uh, this is a catalyst expression mm -hmm. yeah and this is a behavior and this is a managerial style if you want, mm. that uh, also can have a big impact. Because you said yeah. before, as managers, we have uh, also our responsibility of being coaches. And that can be also a coaching um, technique, a in a way. Technique, yeah. yeah, yeah, yes. And just as a, as a, another final point, because you touched on it, but I think it's important to put it actually in the list of things is also this point about avoiding to make it again. So I think also a, a very important element is that a good also manager puts in place the way to measure that this doesn't happen again. And by the way to measure, I don't mean, because what I've also seen from my experience is that our reaction, our immediate reaction is to put more reviews in place because of the mistake that happened. So we say, oh, in order for this not to happen again, let's add more reviewers. Let's uh, let, make sure that you bring everything to me. Make sure that you bring everything to me so I can sign it before it goes. So what we end up actually doing is add more, more touch points in the process because we feel that this is the way to control and to avoid it happening, happening again. What I do think, however, um, could be a good a good method is to put in place measurements in order to test that this doesn't happen again. So not ending up actually blocking this happening again, but more actually, okay, let's measure how how you you don't fail again, or how next time is better, and how next time the quality will be improved, or the speed will be improved, or the process will be improved. So I think. A good manager is the manager that can measure that learning, essentially. You know what, you just reminded me now, an example when I was junior, and uh, I had to send something uh, which was important, a uh, presentation or something. And um, I asked my manager, can I send it to you before we send it? And, um, and she said, no, send it straight away. And that put so much pressure on me. To make uh, to be certain that everything is correct and everything is perfect, because you know usually you say, okay, I'll send it to my manager, and 
it will be their responsibility and they will check <laughs> find it. Uh, and I remember that exercise or that approach was one that shocked me. And uh, so it might actually be the opposite of what you said, rather than not adding more checks and yes. testing is the ownership uh, by uh, shifting the ownership to the person yes. creating it, who's doing it, could also be another way to avoid the mistakes. That's really interesting. Really interesting. Quite, yes, exposing essentially that person to this kind of situation. That's really interesting. And um, being aware, aware of time and trying probably to, to close this, I think one of the things that I wanted really to touch on was the, um, or to share rather, and was also the importance of actually communicating that mistake. And one of the frameworks that I've used, and I've used it in many different, many different uh, stages of my career, either when I wanted to communicate my own mistake and I wanted actually to share the mistake, or when I created communication that was about something that wasn't great news for a company, either internally for the organization that I work in or for one of my clients. Um, or when I wanted actually to suggest a structure to one of our leaders and managers to do that. Anyway, but this, I mean, works for a lot of different, in a lot of different ways, has been um, what, uh, what the, the book Drop the Pink Elephant suggests which is very much what we, what we talked about, and so I'm bringing this all together, is the regret, reason, remedy strategy. So show, pardon? The three R's. The three R's, it's easy to remember. Regret, reason, remedy. So it's about actually showing that you regret for what's happened, right? And this is what you were talking about, the ownership. This is when you own it. You say, I'm so sorry because of what I did. The reason, which is very much what we said earlier about understanding the why, why did that happen? Well, the reason it happened was this person didn't give me the right data file. I was too tired to check it. The next person did that mistake, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the remedy, and this is how, this is how we'll ensure that doesn't happen again. So this regret reason remedy works really well when you want to share to, with your team as a manager, as you said earlier, as a manager, you made a mistake and you want to say, this is what I've done. I'm very sorry. This is what happened. This how won't happen again. And, or even actually when you, you want to communicate some not that great news in a company where you say, okay, we need first to accept that this has happened, own it, explain the why, and then say how we will recover essentially from it. That's just my little framework. I love your framework. Can I also finish with a framework, uh, a cheesy one? <laughs> we love our models and framework. Come on, over to you. You, fin you finish up however you like. It's, uh, it's called FAIL. Uh -huh. First, uh, in learning. First, say that again, say that again. First. First, attempt in learning. Nice, nice. <laughs> So this is a framework to believe in, right? It's not really a framework to follow. It's more like to believe in. Brilliant. We have to fail. We have to fail. We have to fail. Great. Well, it's been, I don't know about you, but it's been, it's been amazing for me. I mean, I don't know where this one hour went, to be honest. It's, um, it's been really inspiring and you've given me so many stories and analogies and examples to think of. I love it. 
I think uh, when it comes to mistakes and failure, uh, there's definitely a lot of examples, whether we look at mythology, music, sports, uh, uh, medicine. <laughs> we we know what to turn to. We know what to turn to. And I know what to turn, who to turn to because, well, you know that you are that, that person that I come to really, and you've helped me build my resilience so many times. So uh, mm-hmm. now we have more tools in our toolkits. Thank you so much for the chat. Thank you, Olga.